I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about that many bad and uh, What did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Whoa! Hey! with friends and people. Hey, welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an audio variety show for your ears about the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Police Blimps, because sometimes you just don't have enough time to write and record a new commercial. Right off the bat, just want to say hey guys to all of the new listeners. A big collective hey guys from me to you. Uh, We have a bunch of people listening who have never listened to the show before. Thank you to Dylan Love at The Daily Dot for sending people this podcast's way. Uh, Yeah, I think you guys are going to like it a lot. And if you haven't subscribed, do so. Go to iTunes, click subscribe. We have a bunch of other great episodes. Listen to those. Listen to this one. Maybe not simultaneously. Hey, I don't know. I don't want to tell you what to do. Listen to them all simultaneously. See what happens. There's a secret message. Clayface is Lord. Uh, let's see. Uh, I got a lot of great guests coming up in the works. They're pretty huge parts of the behind the scenes of Batman, and I can't wait to release them, so stick around for future episodes. Later on, you'll hear me sit down with comic book historian and the Batman merchandise designer Arlen Schumer. But before that, I'm going to sit down with comedian, writer, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson's legitimate best friend, Nick Mundy. Today's podcast ep focuses on a fan favorite from the fourth season, the anthology episode Legends of the Dark Knight. What's that? Did my ears just horn swallow me or did I just hear somebody say Legend of a Dark Knight? Hey, yeah, I did. Well, if it's a Legend of a Dark Knight you're looking for, I'm the old man for the job. Hmm, pickaxe, scraggly old beard, googly eyes, yep. You're a cartoon prospector, all right. Oh, horse sauce. I'm no prospector. I'm a podspector. I heard there was podcast in this here closet, and I came to chip off a chunk of that audio gold. You better not be here to steal my microphone. Micro what? No, sir. I'm here for them shiny MP3s, the glittery AIFFs, and maybe if I'm a lucky boy, I'll strike it rich with a waveform. Okay, well... Yeah, uh, I'll I'll give you some audio files on a thumb drive if you want. Oh, sweet molasses, I knew I'd strike it rich. I'll make it worth your while, friend, any way you want. Please don't be a sex thing. Get your mind out of the mineshaft. I ain't never had sex in my life, and I never intend to. Yuck! Huh, I guess all prospectors aren't horn dogs. Nope. In exchange for your generosity, I'll swap you my very own Legend of the Dark Knight. You won't find that in a nickel jar? Yeah, this is a Batman podcast. Now you're talking. No, you're talking. Now!
know I'm talking. Legend has it the year was 1868, but it was really 1869. The sun was sleepy like a fireball ready for a nappy nap, and as the light faded away into the distance, my dad burned eyes couldn't see a ding-dang thing. That's right, the night was dark. It was a dark night. Well, the end of the story. Wait, that's it? Oh, yes, sir. You wanted a legend of a dark night, and you got one. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about a literal dark night. I'm talking about the dark night. You know, Batman? Well, I never heard of a Batman. I've heard of bats, and I've heard of men, but not both. Well, perfect reason for you to sit back, relax, and listen to the podcast. Okie dokie. You mind if I eat this cold can of expired beans while I listen? I mean, I don't recommend eating expired food, but based on the state of your teeth, I'm guessing that's not going to stop you. Let's talk about today's episode, Legends of the Dark Knight. Several children give their varying viewpoints of who and what they think Batman is and represents. Original air date, October 10th, 1998. Story by Robert Goodman and Bruce Tim. Written by Robert Goodman. Directed by Dan Reba. Music by Shirley Walker. Animation by Coco slash Dong Yang. Featuring an insane amount of guest voices. Seriously, Gary Owens as the 50s Batman, Michael McKean as the 50s Joker, Kevin Michael Richardson as the mutant leader, and Michael fucking Ironside as the badass 80s Batman. Also, Mark Rolston as the Firefly, and SNL's Charlie Rocket as a security guard. Okay. This is a fan-favorite episode for a reason. It's just a whole lot of fun and serves as a series homage to some other great comic book iterations of Batman, probably named after the Batman comic book of the same name from the 80s and 90s. It's also one of the few Batman episodes centered around kids that, to me, doesn't feel forced or preachy and utilizes their kind of wide-eyed certainty about uncertain things to paint a vivid picture of various Batmans of the past. First up is my personal favorite, a Bill Finger-inspired story centered around the Joker robbing the Walker Music Center, not so subtly named after BTAS composer Shirley Walker. It's a little slice of Adam West Batman mixed in with the best version of a Filmation Adventures of Batman episode. Giant instruments, bad puns, the Joker as voiced by Michael McKean, I love it. James Tucker was largely responsible for drawing this section in the style of Dick Sprang, and you can tell he loves it because he went on to keep this gangstery version of the Joker for Batman the Brave and the Bold. We also get the first, and in my opinion, and I know a lot of you are going to argue with me, best version of an animated Frank Miller Batman. The story is ripped straight from The Dark Knight Returns, and at the time I remember seeing this, it was incredible because it was the first time you had seen this off the page. This seminal comic turned into an animated piece of beauty oh beautiful cartoon michael ironside's batman is quiet and menacing and kevin michael richardson kills it as the mutant leader because he can do just about anything to make a good thing better it turns out darwin cook of the new frontier storyboarded this section so that's another cool person involved in an already cool episode Cool, now that I've exhausted you with information about the episode it's time to talk to today's fan nick mundy Nick is an actor and writer and somehow now best friend of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who, no joke, just surprise married him to his wife last week. Seriously, look it up. It's nuts. He's also appeared on Conan, Screen Junkies, and just released a Comedy Central series he co-created and starred in alongside Chris Jericho called Nothing to Report. All right, enough credits. Time for a chat. Great. Let me just scream into the microphone immediately. Cool. 
the cool you just heard is Nick Mundy. Hey, man, what's up? Hey, you know, we're just casually talking. This is the first time we've talked all day. Yeah, we're just sitting in front of this square mahogany desk. Yes, uh, I call it a nightstand. Okay. And I pull away from my bed and then interview people on Okay. It, it would be weird if this was just in your room. You gotta put a picture up here. Just sitting in the middle yeah, of a room. Yeah, this is this is your conversation desk where you look someone directly in the eye and accuse them. Yeah, uh, this is my artist is present desk. There's going to be a documentary, <laughs> and we're just gonna look at each other and okay. talk about Batman until you break. <laughs> That's what she did, right, Marina Abramovich? And then uh, Shia. <laughs> oh yeah, Shia is nothing but a Marina Abramovich clone. Shia's gonna rip you off and start doing a Batman the animated series podcast. I think he did. He's gonna do it with a bag over his head, uh, and I don't have a joke to go along no, with that. It's just sad. Just a detail. Yeah, let's not let's not go there. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's talk Batman. Yeah, definitely. That's what we're here for. So you chose Legends of the Dark Knight. Yeah, which is an episode that you hadn't seen before. No, I had seen it's, but so I'm a little older. I'm 34, so when the show came out, I was like in junior high, mm-hmm. and when then this season came out, it was 1998, so I was like a junior in high school, and I remember watching it hungover on a Saturday, and I was like, but I missed the first five minutes, so I came right in the 50s Batman thing, and I was like, what? No. They made it all different. This is, what is going on? Like, And keep in mind, this was the technology of... 1998, but I was still like I knew enough about the internet, so I was like, like word like Batman dot Newsnet dot weird like you know I was looking at bulletin boards to try to figure like what's I was still hungover and maybe drunk, but curious enough to like know how to use 90s internet. Too fun. What's going on? Looks different. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to figure it out, and I was like, what is going on? And then I I think I fell asleep, and then woke up during the Frank Miller version. And then it just kind of threw me through a loop, and I was like... Convinced that you were so drunk that Batman was morphing before your very Yeah, eyes. it was like, did this new Batman show come out? I was like, what? Then the ending came, I was like, ah, 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 ah. good, the Firefly, my favorite villain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember seeing it for the first time, and... I, I feel like I was I was so excited that they did the fifties Batman. That was yeah, like no. my favorite section e- of this episode. Except my biggest problem with it, especially like looking back, is why don't you just get Adam West and Burt Ward? I wonder if they tried to for this. I mean Adam West was Grey Ghost earlier in the yeah, series. That's true. But yeah, I feel like Burt Ward would have been great. Yeah. Or just Burt do- Ward's down for sure. Yeah. I mean we could get Burt Ward here. Yeah. He's probably like Dinah's in Culver City, just like hanging out, like with a placard that says Burt Ward. And just and then yeah. underneath, waiting for podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I would happily Burt Ward, if you're listening. Was he ever on the show? On this? No, I don't. I don't think he so. He was ever on. But Adam West was great. Adam Ghost. West was the great ghost, but Burt Ward, I do not believe, was ever on the show. Yeah, Charlie Rocket was one of the security guards. Really? Yeah, that's found that out. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good episode, and that was my first like. And this is where it gets controversial. Like my first, like introduction to Frank Miller because I was just becoming a comic book. Fan. I also did not read The Dark Knight Returns until after watching yeah. this episode, and I like this so much more because I'm not a huge Frank Miller. I'm like I like his Daredevil stuff, uh-huh. and the first Dark Knight is good, but then like everything else he's done has made him like retroactively like worse. I feel yeah, and it's just like really like okay. 
You don't like I'm the goddamn Batman? <laughs> and, and to make fun of him, yes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, because that, that's some of the worst stuff I've ever read. And then like now they're doing another third Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. I guess he's going to really show it to like the millennials and, and Twitter. This is how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> Because I even watched the movie, like the Dark Knight, the one and two. Right. And it's just like, ugh. God, this is just terrible. What didn't you like? Um, the animation was okay. I liked Peter Weller doing the voice. I yeah, thought that was good. Great. Except Michael Ironside was so much better in this. Like, Michael Ironside's perfect in, like. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. In this version in, of the, it? The Dark Knight Rises. But the, the movie was just like, it was. It was just the book, and I just I was like, I don't like the book. I really want, I like watching this episode. I want to see two separate series that spun out of it. No, exactly. It's yeah. like this version of the Frank Miller Batman. The fun version of the Frank Miller Batman. So much fun. Yeah. Um, like it was just enough like of a stylized version that it looked different than the animated series, but it still had that like. It was like a fun Cronenberg movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then the 50s one was super just like. Weird and trippy, and uh, but I liked it. Except it was like, get get Burt Ward and Adam. <laughs> yeah. Also, the best and weirdest, and kind of like, just the weirdest thing in there in the middle between the two like episodes. Uh-huh. They run. These three kids are walking down the street, and they run into this very effeminate kid. Who's like, oh, I just love the costumes, and I love when the Batmobile just, like, drives up a wall. And they're like, shut up, Joel. As in Joel Schumacher. Yeah. They totally, like, they made the kid super gay. It was... It like, was... like cartoony. I guess this was mid-90s, so it's like, that's how everyone thought of gay men. But they made a gay 14-year-old kid... To rag on. To rag on, yeah. Which is not the coolest thing yeah, to do. Yeah, they bullied... A 14-year-old Jules Schumacher. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think, like, I, I get them, like, taking a dig at Joel Schumacher, but, you know... He had, like, a boa. Yeah, he, he was, like, weirdly playing... Yeah, he was playing with a boa out in the street at night. Yeah, yeah like, well, working on Joel a mannequin. Schumacher was yeah. the costume guy, right? Isn't that where he came from? Like, I think so. And I, then they had him directed. I'm surprised he, movie. like, wasn't at a sailor costume, like, just, like, going to the bang room. It was know? such an unnecessary dig. <laughs> like, okay, if you want to dig him, fine, but, like... Don't do the, like, gay face version of... Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. If you're bringing up the Joel Schumacher Batmans to criticize as bad movies, you're not creative enough to, like, think outside the box of what a bad movie... Like, okay, yeah, it's established it's a bad movie. Move on. I'll, I'll say this, and this, this is very controversial. I revisited Batman Forever recently. Pretty fun to watch. Yeah, my but writing not... partner truly, Michael truly loves Batman Forever. And I think I watched it at the right time, like it came out when I was the right age. Yeah, so I was like... in eighth grade. I saw it in the theater four times. And it was super fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, Jim Carrey is, they're just letting him do whatever the fuck he wants. That was like oh, yeah. height of Jim Carrey. So they were like, yeah, 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 do your bits, do your voices. <laughs> yeah. And But it was also like, uh, I, I didn't mind Val Kilmer. I just remember as like a kid, I was like, they mentioned Metropolis! We're gonna get Superman, and then that never happened. Yeah, I mean, I remember, yeah, I was hoping, fingers crossed, for so long. I think that was like when Batman versus Superman was a rumored thing, like yeah. years ago. Well, the cartoon just started, and did the idea of like a shared universe was just an inkling, and instead of like the ruination of films for the rest of our lives. Yep, and now now here we are. <laughs> and now we got what we wanted. We got see, and we, happy now. Yeah, and we're gonna suffer for it. Yep. Oh, uh, boy. Remember, like, though, like, 
oh man, just like we need a good superhero movie. We just need one good superhero movie. Yeah. And then now that's how would you like one hundred? Yeah. Uh, every week. <laughs> I mean, I know this is a little off topic. You, you like the Marvel movies, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, I do too. I but, enjoy them quite a bit. But, like, I don't want 50 of them. No, I'm becoming numb to them at this point. Like, yeah. after watching Ultron, I was like, okay. I'm, <laughs> like, these are all, like, at worst, fine. Yeah. Like, Winter Soldier, really great. Really great. I want more that are, like, that specific. Yes. I really like Guardians, Guardians a yeah, lot. Totally. Yeah. But, and I'm excited about Ant-Man, but kind of worried because yeah. the, the Edgar Wright stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay with it, but like I, uh, I, I liked Iron Man three because at least it was weird. Me too. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I think that one got a lot of flack. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was kind of a big, like fuck you to, yeah. <laughs> like to comic book fans and like movie fans. And it's like which is awesome. Yeah, it was like why not? Because we're the worst. <laughs> we, we are the worst. Uh, yeah, I mean anybody who's like we don't want a black Spider Man is racist. Yeah, no, definitely. Like uh, I like how Michael B. Jordan was just like. Fuck you guys. The racist comic book fan is the worst. I think the racist anything is objectively no, but no, the worst. okay, but like okay, but the comic book fan of anything is like the, ra- the uh, to me it's like the racist sport fan. I'll put over the racist athlete <laughs> because at least I admire his um, strength that he had in eighth grade. Yeah, um, but the comic book fan is just like. Because like, like oh, I never had anything. This is the only thing I'll ever have. Is just. My white Johnny Storm. Because, like, life has been hard. Also, like, comic book fans put it up on them, like, well, my life sucks. Like, I never get what I wanted in my life because no one went to prom with me. So now they're taking the race of Johnny Storm. Well, listen to you stereotyping comic book well, fans. Well, yeah, no, they're Not the worst. going to prom with anybody. Well, <laughs> I mean, I did, but I was drunk, so. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And you woke up watching Legends of the Dark Knight again. Was, probably, yeah. <laughs> No, and like, well, just going back to this episode, yeah. I, th- I think it was like, eh, we'll just do whatever. We're, this show's ending. Right before they did like nine more seasons of this universe. Right. <laughs> well, it was also, like, yeah, they were hitting the end of it, and it's like, let's play with like, a, let's play in a sandbox. Yeah. I also feel like this is Bruce Timm's calling card for getting to direct those DC movies down the line. A it's like, bit. hey, look, I can do this. I can do this. But now, like, I love the DC animated movies until they settle on this, like, Loosely anim- Japanese. There's animated, kind of an anime-looking like, look. House style now. Yeah. I liked when they had different looks to them. I loved, like, New Frontier, I thought, looked yeah, really cool. Yeah, totally. Um, and everything was different, but now it's like everything's in this new 52 Batman universe. Yeah, they're all tra- they're trying to tie all of that together. So it's like, you like this? Well, why not try the comics? And then that will look and like And it's, this. like, weirdly... We- it's weird when, like, Superman says, God damn it. <laughs> and it's not Tim Daly. Yeah. I want Tim Daly, or actually, what is it, George Newbern? Yeah, from uh, Father of the Bride. He did an excellent oh, Tim Daly. Oh, he was Daly. great. I like and my Superman. My favorite is of any superhero, or any maybe any cartoon, is that Cadmus arc. Oh, on Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, yeah that it's was, amazing. I like when someone passes on something and like evolves, which is such a core D- of the Batman mythos and DC, old DC as a like because one of my favorite things was like there were four Flashes. Yeah, and they made sense, and there was like. For uh, Robins and I, I think like I missed like there was that history. I wanted more Nightwing. Yeah, they only had a handful of them. There was that uh, Animal Act. Yeah, that was a good one. They that's a off. weird. That's a great weird episode. Like this is a great weird episode. Like it's cool, but then it's like the voices are slightly off than they should be. Oh, I, Except yeah. for Michael Ironside, 
which is perfect. He was amazing. Yeah. I loved all the voices in this, though. Like, even, like... Uh, I, just, I guess I just, like, was, like, holding, like... It's like... I was watching last night. I was like, why is this Adam West? <laughs> God damn it. Why is this Adam West? It felt like 70s uh, filmation-y kind of stuff a little bit. Yeah, oh, definitely. Style, like, cartoon style, but I no, loved like the real like... The, the Ghostbusters cartoon. It was, like, the... It, the original Ghostbusters The Ape one, one yeah. yeah. That's what it felt like. It was... Well, even, like, I think they changed the style of animation because it felt like the frame rate was different. Like, yep. they were, like, popping into poses more. Oh, and then the uh, Dark Knight... Uh, Dark Knight Returns was way more fluid. Yeah. They had to use different animation houses. But it was so cool. Or I mean, like... The Joker's, there was no physics to the Joker's coat. It was stiff and, yeah. like, just sticking out no matter where he went. And, and then just, like, the idea that instruments were that big. Oh, that, the, I thought that was the funniest thing was, like, in the background reading the signs, like, humongous flute was what one of the <laughs> labels was. Well, it, the, also, the pacing that episode feels weird because you feel like there should, there's a third kid and it feels like it's missing a third beat. Yeah. And then I did some research because, of course, and there was supposed to be, like, a Neil Adams 70s... Like, inspired. That would have been so cool. Yeah, but it was, like, impossible to animate. The weird thing about the show is the villains, after they're introduced, become way less impressive. <laughs> unless they forget who they are and then become, like... Because like, that happens a couple of times. Like, Riddler, like, reforms. Clayface reforms. Mm-hmm. Joker goes broke, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Joker's millions. Great. <laughs> He's afraid of the IRS. <laughs> well, that's such a Paul Dini episode, yeah. too. Yeah, that was great. Harley Quinn auditions? <laughs> yeah. That, that happens in that one. It's weird how the Batman's animated series might have a bigger cultural impact than the Tim Burton movies. Yeah, I think it was like such a an iconic thing for so many kids at the time. Like it was like more... And you could watch it for free, really, as long as you had a TV versus like being taken to a movie during a specific period of time. And what I think... And the, it re-ran so much. The, the problem like with like Batman now and... The joylessness of current iterations of Bat, like the Batman animated series, it was dark, but it was also like there's some good jokes in. It. I mean, Joker was hilarious. Yeah, it was a mix of goofy. I mean, it really was like every slice of Batman kind of thrown into a yeah. big mishmash. But now we get like Jared Leto's Joker, and it's weird when I don't Bat- know who wants that. I really don't. Maybe there, it's no, just there like are teenage people. boys. No, there are people. There are angry, trust me, uh, on Twitter, there's like an I Hate Nick Mundy Club. <laughs> because I'm not a big fan. I was not a big fan of Man of Steel. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't like the way the direction's headed. It, it just, oh my god, it just, it's no fun whatsoever. Like, there's these fans, there's these angry, specifically DC fans, who want, like, I feel like they're all MRAs, too. Like, men's right activists, like, they want the dark, gritty Batman. We want dark, gritty and, Batman, and, and we want Mad Max wiped from the screen. Yeah, and we right want, now. like, the serious, like, because, like, they're so angry. They're, so, like, I'm getting death threats because I didn't like Superman. Really? Oh, yeah. Because, like, I thought Ultron was pretty good. And, like, <laughs> I don't like Man of Steel. And Aquaman should be a fun, badass character. And then he looks like a WWE pay-per-view, like... <laughs> Like, cover. Yeah. I mean, what I want... Aquaman should be treated like Ant-Man. Yes. In a way. Like, there is, like, a self-referential, like, knowingness that it's like, hey, this is silly, but also, through the movie, they'll, like, take you from thinking he's silly to badass by the end of it. But that's what that first movie should be. Yeah. Not like, no, he's cool. (laughs) No, he's... It's like, no, his his name is Aquaman. It's like overcompensating. It's like he drives a Hummer, too. Yeah. And it's like, you know, 
Like, well, that's what I do like about the Marvel movies is that they're, you know, like, it's capes and tights, you know? Yeah, they embrace it. And people accept it, and they're and they, cool with and it. And they ground it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's like, it's they just do the extra step. And that's why I'm really happy that, like, I feel like the DC animated universe is such a solid slice. Like, that's what I want it to be in the movies. No, or, the, oh, I, I know what I really like is the DC TV universe. It's better than Smallville. <laughs> I did. I watched all of Smallville. Me too. Yeah, me too. Because um, it to. was, the, also at the time, it was like, well, there isn't that much superhero stuff around. Yeah, but Flash is really good. I really like Flash. Yeah, I saw that the Gorilla Grodd shows up. Yeah, and well, because I'm a, probably a bigger DC fan than I am Marvel. Yeah, me too. And I feel like I mean, I love. I think I grew up on like Spider Man and X Men were like my big Marvel yeah. mainstays. But like for the most part, it was DC, and because of these cartoons. Yeah, no, totally. Because I was a big. I didn't really get into. I got into comics like in a phase, a couple years in high school. But I got really big about ten years ago, mm-hmm. and I was huge Green. Like I'm just a, Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns Green Lantern is is amazing. Yeah, and, and Jeff his, and Superman. His Teen Titans. Teen Titans. I haven't read. Oh, his Teen Titans is great. Teen, Teen Titans is what got me into like um, like comics. Everything he does is great. Yep. Uh, uh, let him do this just directly. He is kind of involved, but I think it's like marginalized. Yeah, because I wonder. I think how he has more influence in TV. I just I just want fun. I, some fun. It doesn't I want a, an element of fun, yeah. Like, and that's what this has, or at least an element of not green screen, sucker punchy looking like trailers. Yeah, of it. I mean, and like, DC, did you see Mad Max? I haven't yet because I got married. Okay. And, oh yeah. There's that. By the way, Nick <laughs> is doing this podcast the weekend that he like right after he got married. <laughs> yes. And you were mostly worried about this podcast the entire. time Oh yeah. It was I was happening. like, ah, excuse me, Dwayne. I got to do this. <laughs> got to get out of here. Yeah. Um. If you want to look up Nick Mundy, The Rock. Yeah, Mundy. Nick just got married by The Rock. <laughs> In a surprise. Yeah. Uh, so that... That's that a thing. But you were really, like, stressed out about this podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely. Time. Well, I wanted to be like, hey, man, do you want to talk about Black Adam with... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, my, my one thing, I wish... I'm excited about that movie. I wish he was playing Shazam instead of Black Adam. Because I could think of, like, writing that movie, 12-year... 12-year-old turning into a superpower of the rock is, like, the best. It's so cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I think that would be the best thing ever. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty... I am looking forward to that movie. So, well, so, let's get back to Legends of the Dark Knight. Yes. Well, yeah, before we... Talk about everything. And I love that it was in a hall of giant musical instruments, by the way. It, it freaks me out, like, someone would get hurt there. Like, <laughs> like in, in, like, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, man, that's so cool. Like, like... And now I'm like, ah, a kid would get hurt there. (laughs) A kid would fall inside of a tuba and never come out. Yeah, I'm just like, that's irresponsible. (laughs) Like, and I was like, yeah, I was just thinking of like the ceiling and the square footage of that place. Like, you were thinking logistics for the most unrealistic segment. (laughs) Yes, yeah, because I'm the monster. (laughs) Uh, Joker talked directly to camera. They iris out, and he's. (laughs) I love it so much. Yeah, no. It, and then, like, there's, like, 3.4 puns, uh, uh, like, every minute. So you know I'm on board. Yeah. The whole, all the rolling on... That rolling on a piano set piece was such a cool segment. Shooting Robin with the uh, the bow. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> riding a bow, flying... All of the ways they implemented the instruments, using a metronome to, yeah. like, hit, <laughs> fling it back at somebody. Oh, God. Oh, also in the background is the world's largest Pagliacci... Yeah, that's what they were stealing, right? Like, yeah. that... <laughs> what a great thing! And it was like, 
the the weird like I think Grant Morrison kind of focused on this like the obsessive compulsiveness of the pop villains. Yeah. And it was like the disease that like they kind of grounded that. So it was like that was fun just like I'm just reading his Doom Patrol right now. Oh. I never read through it. Are you in it? I'm I feel like it's never ending story if you read the whole Doom Patrol and Grant Morrison like you become part of the story. I've been yeah. trapped inside of a painting. Yeah. <laughs> I just got eaten by that painting in the storyline. Yeah, it's great. It's so weird. Yeah. And wonderful. I wish I I, I wish it, it's too bad like cartoons can't go multiple seasons. It feels like once you hit like 65 episodes, you can't do more. Like Young Justice was one of my favorite things DC's ever done. It was great. Yeah. It was one of the best shows after the Timverse kind of... Yeah, end. and I thought it was, like, different and good. The second season especially, I thought oh it was really God, good. yeah. Some good Nightwing. Yeah. I just want some good Nightwing. Yeah, we know you're a Nightwing head. I know. Uh, ba, ba, oh, we got a well-done old chum, a handshake at the end yep. of this one. Yeah. Cool, cool. Tim and Drake kind of looked pig-faced, or I guess it wasn't, it was... No, it was... It uh, was Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson, yeah. But he looked like a pig-faced Tim Drake. <laughs> no, it was like... Or no, you know who I'm thinking of? It's one of the kids. One of the, like, the little kid who's like, my yeah. uncle like yeah, that. Yeah, no, because they drew, like, Carrie Kelly into, right. like, you know. And then, I don't know what he was supposed to look like, the one that loved the Dick Sprang Bill Finger one. I also love the idea that his uncle's just telling him stories of, like, weird Batman all the time. And and this weird specific, the specificity of, yeah. like, well, that's what, how he told it. It was like, well, that's how he tells stories. You don't tell it verbatim. Well, that's how he told it. And then Batman took two symbols and smashed them together, and a goon got flattened. That's what Batman does. Like that, That's the weird thing about watching that show, and it's like, they have a satellite connected to a cell phone, but then everyone's wearing, like, triple-breasted suits. I love it. Yeah. I love that there's, like, time doesn't exist. Yeah. It's like Batman the Animated Series and It Follows. Time doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, no. I think It Follows is probably in the BTAS universe. <laughs> <laughs> that movie still gives me nightmares. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, but uh, the big unnecessary Joel. Uh, the Joel Schumacher jig. Yeah. Yeah, we get that in between. That was so. It was weird. It definitely weirded me out. Um, Even back then, it weirded me out. I don't think it would. Like, I'm sure they intentionally weren't trying to do anything harmful, but it was like, what are that? You can't do that. No, it was. Early it was mid '90s casual homophobia. Like yeah. that was the acceptable way to make fun of a gay person. Yes, twenty years ago, which yes. just makes you think how awful we all were. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just like there were like it was accepted and like if that came out now, mm-hmm. oh my god, the um, for oh, good yeah, there, and bad. I there'd guess. be an AV Club article about it immediately. <laughs> Splitsider would have article like uh, best tweets about the Joel Schumacher. <laughs> And that's the worst part of everything. Oh boy! <laughs> well, Frank Miller. Let's see. We got we it's enjoyable Frank Miller. It. Yeah, mutants. The mutants were awesome. Uh, I love the. My name is Rob. Those guys actually are in it. Perfect. Kevin Richardson doing the voice of the head, which makes sense. So great. He's yeah. such a great voice actor. Oh yeah. Well, he's in. I feel like this. The thing about like cartoons now, because I was watching Clone Wars and. The Green Lantern cartoon, which wasn't great, but it was okay. It was, you know, I, I wish they did it 2D, because I feel like that was the only... Like, for me, I was like, oh, this is There was also, solid. like, Thundercats, the new Thundercats, which wasn't I didn't bad. watch it. And then Young Justice. They were all out the same time, and they were all, like, all showed up on my DVR. And then I just realized, like, every single... Every, four guys do all the voices for all these shows. It's like Clancy Brown, Kevin Richardson... 
the dude from Boy Meets World, the older brother. Yeah, and Ron Perlman. <laughs> yeah, and that's... Well, anytime you need, like, deep voice villains, uh, Clancy Brown's gonna be there. Yeah. Whether... Perlman and Brown. <laughs> uh, deep-voiced associates. <laughs> no, I think it's great. And the, the Frank Miller, that's my favorite Frank Miller thing and ever. This is a dumb question uh, yeah. to ask on my own podcast, but what? which came first? The Batman Beyond, like, red kind of tank design? Or was is was that in the comic? I think it was in the comic. Okay, so that was something that, like, they maybe borrowed from The Dark Knight Returns. They had to be adapting Batman Beyond while there were, this was coming out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure while this was being wrapped up, they were doing all the pre-production on Batman. I think Batman they were Beyond doing came three out in 98? shows. Yeah. 99, maybe? But it, it was definitely, like, there was overlap between Batman Beyond, New Batman, Superman Adventures. So it's like they're doing New Batman stories, New Superman stories, trying to create a whole new universe. The thing about Batman Beyond is really good. But there was only like five really good episodes. Oh no, there's more. I promise. Really? Yes. Because I tried watching like just a random season three episode, and I was like, "There are great ones. They have a lot of like dark sci-fi stuff." Yeah, but like, I just the call is the one episode I remember. Well, you like all the like DC tie-in stuff, right? Yeah, like I the do. call is really great. Yeah, I mean like the Rachel Ghoul episode. Is That's awesome. That's amazing. Awesome. But like the, the just the standard. I guess when it was. When it was good, it was great. Mm-hmm. But when it was fine, it was. Mm. They had some good villains. I go back. Okay, go back for me. Okay, instead <laughs> of being married. Uh, yeah, please don't get married. Uh, go back. Well, there's I know there's one great one where like I mean they just have like you know a dead dad whose like consciousness is like rooted in a computer and yeah, like it's connected. That. Yeah, there's like weird. I love shit. yeah. It's it's 1999's what the the future is going to look like. Yep, creds. <laughs> Very shway. <laughs> yeah, that animation style was... It worked out. And I think, like... I don't know. What's your favorite Tim Universe moment? Man, that's a lot to ask. I know. Uh, and I'm doing it. I'm, I I became the question boy. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, obviously, this show is pretty... Like, Batman at its best. But I really do love... I love that Cadmus arc. I think my favorite is probably season two of Justice League. Like, those two-parters when they got really good. Yeah. So, like, Twilight, the Brainiac Dark Side episode. Yep. Like, that was the two... You know, the season premiere, like, Star-Crossed. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Hawk Girl traitor arc. Yeah, like, that, I think that favorite moment though is we hit on it was the Superman thing. Oh yeah, that that, that gives me chills because that made that nailed Superman more than, and then Lex Luthor and Batman were kind of teaming up. Yeah, I mean Luthor being like infected with Brainiac too was such a cool yeah twist. Sorry guys, <laughs> if you're listening to you, this, you you've watched you definitely it. know about this. Yeah. And if not, like you'll still love it. Look, the episode was great that we talked about, but there's just so much like more that springs from especially oh, yeah. this episode. Well, I think the most exciting part of Legends of the Dark Knight is probably the Firefly. <laughs> he has a lightsaber yes. made out of yeah. fire for just like three seconds. And that was like that weird thing where like Firefly showed up in like three episodes. Right? Yeah, I think he had his own episode where he was like just kind of a creepy stalker. Like that was his backstory. It was like, hey, he's a, he's a bit of a pervert and he works the pyrotechnics at rock shows. Yeah. Like I think he was stalking a musician. <laughs> like that's his backstory. Yeah. Uh, and like Batman now is like, oh man, so you're arson for hire now? <laughs> and then he was able to build a fire lightsaber. Yeah, he built a fire lightsaber. He's doing insurance fraud, but <laughs> he, I think, 
<laughs> he still has enough money that he's like going to buy really crazy tools. And it's still 20 years later and we're still talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, that's like the perfect villain to throw in there. It's like, throw away, we don't really need another yeah, Firefly uh, episode. Do we have a gator guy? Do we have a gator? Do we Killer Croc? Uh, yeah, Killer Croc. Uh, we've already done a bunch with him. Okay. Yeah, well, now Killer Croc's wearing a Letterman's jacket. Well, how do you feel about that one? I don't know. I'm I'm not super into the style. I like Suicide Squad For as sure. a comic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, didn't they release Justice like, League United uh, Unlimited well, had a great... It was an amazing... Suicide Squad. Well, also, it's yeah, it's so cool that they're like infiltrating the Watchtower. Yeah. Right? Oh, that was like Task Force X. But yeah. Right? Yeah. There's nothing cooler than that. Like that, making the heroes the villains is such a fun thing. Like yeah. I want to see that happen. I feel like the ne- the next best thing to that episode of Justice League Unlimited could be like if a Marvel movie did that now. I feel like they've established their universe enough that like we could watch a bunch of villains team up and we'd be okay with it. Well, the, yeah, and the, the problem with Marvel has their villains just aren't that great. No, they but, have weak villain syndrome. BBS, baby. Well, what, what episode, now that I'm thinking about it, because I need to go watch it again because I'm writing Wonder Twins with my two writing Oh, partners. yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, um, for DC... Um, is that episode where they had like the Wonder Twin, like the the fake Wonder Twins, and the uh, the big Indian guy, and uh, oh. like, like like Black Vulcan, right? Archetype. Like they were making fun of like oh, it was the clones. Yeah, they were the, you know they were the Cadmus clones. Yeah, yeah. So I gotta watch that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, it's all the the one thing, the only thing that ever bugged me about that was the Power Girl. And I'm not a guy, I'm like, I'm not like very much like, you have to stick to source material or you're killing the art. But like, the power girl was like, named Galilea or something like that. Oh, yeah, Galatea. Yeah. And that was just, that was the only thing I was like. It's just like, call her power girl? Yeah, just call her power girl. Yeah, everybody else has a crazy name. Yeah, you just need to call her. Or even like once, just do one of those things where it's like, she's got a lot of power girl, power girl. (laughs) Anyway, Galatea. (laughs) Perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. Well, did we hit everything? I we, think we did. I mean, yeah, I think this episode is pretty fun. Charlie Rocket, you mentioned him. Yep, you mentioned Charlie Rocket. Oh, yeah, the fire... One thing I do want to talk about is the Firefly was totally okay burning a bunch of kids alive. He just shrugs and goes, tough break, and then just starts lighting a theater on fire. There was like a time... I, remember the Spider-Man cartoon? Yeah. It was like right around that where it was like you you weren't allowed to say like kids are gonna die in something like because he had lasers in all the guns and no one got like punched right in the Spider Man cartoon yeah yeah and I think then that started like and now I don't think that happens anymore or maybe it does again I think there there was like a time period where you superheroes weren't allowed to punch I can't believe they got I mean I think it was like the censors for the network that was doing Spider Man probably I think it maybe it was, it was Fox. Fox. But, like, they got away with so much stuff on Batman. I mean, just listening, talking to Marty Eisenberg, one of the writers, he was saying that, like, as long as you described it as a dark deco weapon, just be vague about it, they would get away with it. So they found their ways of, like, on Batman just getting to have, like, Tommy guns, but it was, like, slightly different looking. Because people got the... People died in that show. Yeah. I mean, they did... Most of the time you would see, like, a thug get up, but, like, there were times when it's like, yeah, no, they died. (laughs) Yeah. Or, like, just emotional distraught. So, I mean, that was even more haunting. Like, yeah. every character, as every Batman villain is the most tragic human being on the planet. 
Yeah, well, there was the 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 Nightwing episode. The uh, what was that called? Where like the the thug we got to see the thug's home life. Oh, Tony Zoo. Oh, oh, you're talking about old wounds. Yeah, yeah. That was like the uh, guy who Batman later gave a job because he's a nice guy, but first beat up in front of his kid. Oh, <laughs> uh, what yeah. a tragic, sad moment. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Well, cool. Thanks, buddy. We talk about it all? Yeah, I think we did. Awesome. All right, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing it. Of course. Okay, goodbye. Bye. One interview down, one to go. Wasn't Nick fun? I'll say he was more fun than a barrel of barrels. And they are fun. It's one large barrel with several smaller barrels inside. And guess what's inside of those? Nothing. I'm not sure how that translates to fun, but uh, to each their own. Now I've been doing a lot of thinking with the old noggin, and I think I'm ready to regale you with a real tale of the Dark Knight. And to be clear, when you say Dark Knight, you mean Batman and not a literal Dark Knight? Yes, sir. Batman. Okay, go for it. Well, about 15 years ago, there was a fella by the name of Kneecap Jones, and he used to dig around in this mine, but... Instead of using an old pickaxe, he used just a, the regular part. A wood. A Louisville slugger, in fact. That's right. He was a Batman. A Batman. Were you listening to that interview at all? Nope. I was distracted by my cold sloppy beans. Sloppy beans. Okay, time for a commercial break. Look, up in the sky! Is it a cop? Is it a slow airborne vehicle? Yes to both questions. It's the police blimp, and it's here for all your inefficient policing needs. I'm confused. Why is that a good thing? Well, I'll tell you. We at the GCPD aren't just any cops, we're Gotham City cops. Every single day, a brand new batch of morally depraved people in expertly designed costumes pop up and do terrible things. So why even try? Oh, I think I get it. Why bother catching a criminal today when a new one is bound to show up tomorrow? Exactly, my man. With police blimps, cops can finally admit they're useless in Gotham City without Batman and give themselves some well-deserved floaty time. But what about people like me who don't like police blimps floating along their skyline like an Orwellian dystopia with a dash of Hindenburg. Come on, what's more scary? An armed hydrogen-filled blimp with blinding powerful spotlights or a man who uses umbrellas to shoot people? Well, honestly, both sound Exactly, awful. my ma'am. Only the umbrella part is scary. But don't take my word for it. Take it from these real Gotham City citizens. Nah, police blimps aren't scary. I like them because when I robs a bank, it's a lot easier to outrun cops when they're so slow and far away. As a Gotham City blimp officer, being so high up in the air affords me the time to take at least three hours to decide what donut I'm going to eat. And then I like to eat it. My husband, the man bat, thinks blimps are fun to tear apart. As you can see, everybody loves police blimps for the right reasons. I'll say. I'm not convinced at all. Well, you know what we say in Gotham. <laughs> Too bad, you live in the worst city imaginable. <laughs> Oh, you're right. I'm a Gothamite. I deserve anything I can get, even if it's a waste of city money and seems like a bad idea. I knew you'd come around. Police blimps, where equal parts aesthetically pleasing and useless. Hooray for blimps! Coming soon to a sky near you. Welcome back, guys. Did you buy a blimp? No? Too expensive? Not a real thing? Fair enough. It's time for an interview with... Today's guest... Arlen Schumer. Arlen Schumer is a comic book historian, writer, and graphic designer based out of Connecticut. 
He may not have worked on Batman the Animated Series directly, but he actually designed official merchandise based on the show and did one of the first print interviews with Bruce Timm. He's one of the most enthusiastic guests I've had so far. I think you guys are going to like him. So let's get to it. So I'm talking to comic book historian and graphic designer and artist Arlen Schumer. How's it going? Hey, Justin. So great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. You, yeah. So you reached out to me after, I think, reading an article online and uh, sending over some stuff that you worked on for Batman the Animated Series. Right. Uh, why don't you share with the listeners what you worked on? Well, it wasn't for the Batman Animated Series. It was about the Batman Animated Series in terms of... I wrote an article for Print Magazine, the trade magazine of the graphic design field, for their spring 93 issue, which means the minute that series came out in 1992, in the fall, but I had seen a preview of it at the San Diego Comic Convention in 1992, and it blew my mind. We had, I think I remember hearing about it, but the first time anybody saw anything was the San Diego 92 convention. And it blew my mind. It was like an Alex Toth Batman crossed with Neil Adams Batman come to life. And I was so blown away by it that I was living in New York City and I had had a relationship with Print Magazine from years before when I had gotten them to commit to a special issue on comics in 1988 uh, covering, you know, Watchmen and, and Dark Knight and all the developments that comic book art went through. And that's in my role. That was like my first published article as a kind of self-styled comic book historian, which I've been my whole career, along with being an illustrator who works in a comic book style. So I've always been interested as more of a historian of elevating comics by getting them treated by the academic world, by the art world, the graphic design world, the art direction world. So that's been my mission as an illustrator. I've never done anything for the comic book companies, but I've done illustrations in a comic book style for the advertising and editorial markets. So, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the Society of Illustrators, so I've made my you know, living at that, trying to bring good comic book art into the comic book field. But I grew up a Batman fan. I mean, you know, I love the Infantino Batman. The Neil Adams Batman hit me and my whole generation as like a ton of bricks. I was at the right age at the right time to be blown away by Neil Adams Batman. And then when I was in high school, I was art director of the first Batman fan magazine, Batmania. So I ended up working for Neil Adams, uh, doing articles with him about Batman and things like that. So in 1992, when that animated series came out, I let Print Magazine know, I contacted them, and it turns out, if you remember, Justin, when they first broadcast the animated series in the fall of 92, they were showing it also on Sunday nights in prime time, which was pretty radical. And it only lasted for like a few months, maybe, maybe it was just a few weeks. But the editor of Print Magazine happened to see one of those Sunday night episodes I think it was the one, I Am the Night. Uh, is that the title of an episode? That I, is, yeah. Okay. And I'll never forget, I went to Print Magazine, and like, there's no coincidence, because I went to them and I said, you know, this new Batman animated series cartoon came out, and I would love to do an article about it 
because it's so graphic. It looks like Russian constructivism. I mean, my cup was running over with my effusive, enthusiastic, passionate, over-the-top Batman praise for this incredible, you know, and to me, it was better than the Tim Burton movies. It was better than the Batman. It was better than any live-action Batman ever done. And to my mind, to this day, Justin, it still is the greatest example of the translation of a comic book character to any medium, including live action. That's how great I felt the Batman animated series was in 92 and the way I feel about it today. Nothing has changed. So I went to print magazine, and the minute I start blabbing about this Batman animated series, Martin Fox, the editor at the time, had just seen the Sunday night episode, I Am the Night. And he was like, you know, it was very intriguing and very serious, and he didn't expect it. And I said, yeah, I know. And he also liked the look of it. So I was going out to, San, or to L.A. or on business or something in the spring of 93, and I said to Print Magazine, listen, I'm already going out to L.A. If you can help me set up interviews with Bruce Tim and Eric Radomsky, I'm going to be there, and then I'll do an article. And that's exactly what happened. I went out there, Justin, and I got to meet Bruce Tim. I got to go to the Warner Brothers lot, and I got to interview them and you know get visual examples and show them some of my ideas in terms of how I saw their series. And that's how I got to meet Bruce Tim and Eric Radomsky. And uh, trying to think if I met any others. I just remember interviewing the two of them. I don't know if I saw anybody else there. But um, I ended up doing the article that I think I sent you a PDF of or it's a PDF you can download off of my website. Yeah, but, actually, just to share that with the listeners, uh, I believe it was the one called Wayne's World. Yes. Which is indicative of when it was released and made me very happy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Wayne's World was their title. I don't think that's that was my title. I'm trying to remember what my original title was. Um, it was probably something more earnest and straightforward because I'm so, you know... I treat the series so sacredly that I don't know if I would have made a pun like that, but you know, it's I was going to say you're the most enthusiastic sounding guest I've ever had on the podcast. And I've talked to a lot of fans. Let me tell you something, Justin, after me, there is nobody else. Should I quit? I'm, Should I'm I just end man. the podcast? What? Should I just finish uh, the podcast after yours? I, I'm just saying, I'm like the Bruce Springsteen for you. No, nobody follows Bruce. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I could be paid for my passion and enthusiasm, I'd be the richest man on earth. Yeah, you might explode with passion right now. It's fantastic. I love I it. Listen, as David Letterman used to say, the genius switch is never in the opposition. You get me talking about this Batman animated series, like I said, you're going to have to turn me off, and there is no off switch. Well, let's talk about when you met Bruce, Tim, and Eric Radomski. What was that like for you, being a fan of the show? You know, I just remember... Um, um, they were very serious about the show. I was very serious, but I mean, obviously just as effusive with my love for it, although I tried to probably be a quote unquote professional, but I just remember them being really nice guys and I've never seen Radomsky since, but you know, Bruce Tim goes to the San Diego convention every year, pretty much. And I, he's been in New York. I mean, every time I see Bruce, he's always nice to me. Uh, I'll never forget when my Batman, uh, my Neil Adams sketchbook came out in 1999. He's, a, of course, a big Neil fan. And I'll never forget he you know, stopped by to congratulate me about the sketchbook. And uh, 
you know, I saw him, was it last year at San Diego or the year before? The, it was a weird anniversary. It was the 21st anniversary of the Batman animated series. So that had to be 2013. And he was there in the big, one of the biggest halls at San Diego. Have you ever been to the San Diego Comic-Con, Justin? Oh, yes. Many okay. times. So it was one of those giant rooms. And there was a line to get in. And I had to get some, uh, like a favor to make it in. But there he was holding court. And it just shows you the impact and the love for that series still, you know, 20. To me, the 20 years, I remember those episodes like they were, I know this sounds cliche, but like they were yesterday. Oh, yeah. That's, they're iconic. Yeah. And you got to remember, I grew up as a child on those Max Fleischer Superman cartoons, which obviously, and I wrote about this in my article and I show visual examples, you know, the, the, the Batman cartoon is totally a, like I said, it's equal parts, Max Fleischer, Alex Toth, and Neil Adams all put together. Um, but as a kid, they used to show the Fleischer, I grew up in the New York area, New Jersey, and this didn't happen all around the country, but the local New York station, not the network, the local station used to play those cartoons during the weekdays at lunchtime. And when I was a kid, they used to let us go home for lunch. And I remember as a kid, I'm talking about being seven, eight, nine years old, seeing, I had a black and white TV. So I'm assuming they were broadcast in color, but I saw them in black and white. And I remember as a kid being mesmerized by those things because they were so different from the Saturday morning filmation stuff that, you know, we were used to since the Batman TV show, you know, Space Ghost and all that stuff. And these Fleischer cartoons were like from another world. Well, they're absolutely beautiful. There's so much care put into them compared to that kind of filmation style. I mean, well, well, the budgets were huge at the time. Yeah, and I, I've done a whole project. I do a whole lecture on the Fleischer cartoons. You know, to make a long story short, they didn't want the job because of their burnout from Gulliver's Travels. So they quoted a price that was like three times or four times what it normally costs to do an eight-month cartoon in the so-called business strategy that by giving them a, a, such an outrageous quote, they would turn it down. Instead, they were Paramount Pictures they just said, okay, and all of a sudden, be careful what you wish for, you may get it. All of a sudden, they had four times the budget to do an eight-minute cartoon, and every dollar is on that screen. And to this day, they're still the most realistically animated, most beautifully realistically animated series, because Disney never attempted the human figure animation those Fleischers did. But vis-a-vis -vis the Batman animated series, to give Tim proper credit, nothing will ever, frame by frame, ever equal the Fleischer cartoons. The Tim cartoons come closest, not necessarily in the animation, although there are sequences in so many of the animated series that I would almost put on a level with the Fleischers, and I never thought I would be saying that ever about anything. Yeah, they're incredible. Where Tim's achievement can be spoken of on the same plane as the Fleischers is that they make up what they, what they can never make up in art with the stories. The fact that those Fleischer eight-minute cartoons, there are no stories. They're, who cares? They're, they're eight minutes of nothing. It doesn't matter. The animation's so beautiful, you don't care what the hell the story is. 
and there's next to nothing. You know, there in eight minutes, there's a crisis. Superman appears, he saves it, and blah blah blah. You know what I'm saying? Those Fleischer cartoons are not about the stories. Yeah, it was style. Right. It was all, and God bless him. Whereas the suit, the Batman animated series. I mean, where do we begin with how many great stories that there are? Which is why I consider the Batman animated series those hundred five episodes. And then to me, you count the, the Batman Beyond, uh, you know, Return of the Joker, that 20-minute sequence that's a flashback to the animated series, might be the single greatest Batman animated series episode of them all. Yeah, what a payoff. So I really count, there's 106 episodes. I consider the Tim animated series the best Batman comic of all time because there are 106 issues and almost every one of them was great. Can you say that about any run of the Batman titles? No. The show is so good. Uh, well, we talked a little bit about uh, title cards over email. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your love for the title cards of the show. Well, as a graphic designer who's always been trying to combine comic book art with good graphic design, I mean, I learned traditional Bauhaus graphic design from Rodan School Design. So, and yet here I am, this comic fan that's influenced by Jim Steranko's type, Will Eisner's type, you know what I mean? Guys like that. And Irish Schnapp, of course. I just did this exhibit about Irish Schnapp. So, all of a sudden, you know, I go to Ronan Suzanne. I'm learning about graphic design and typefaces. And, you know, eventually DC, you know, you had guys like Neil Posner and then Richard Bruning and, you know, the Dark Knight cover used real typeset type. And, you know, that was a kind of a revolution. And then all of a sudden, in 1992, this animated series comes on. And not only are we blown away by the Batman animation itself, but all of a sudden, these title cards are these beautiful little pieces of graphic design. You know, nice type with beautiful vignetted illustrations that were newly created for each episode. They were stylized. They looked like book covers. I mean, they're gorgeous. Each and every one is a beautiful little work of art. I mean, there should be like uh, an exhibit at, uh, you know, I just did an exhibit for the Type Directors Club in New York. But man, I could see doing an exhibit of just those title cards. I mean, they really should. Or at the very least, have a coffee table book. Well, there you go. Put that one on my list. I'm, I'm not... I'll wait for the phone to ring on that one. But yeah, I would love to design a book of those title cards or whatever. The point is, is um, I sent you the ones that I happen to download because I was looking for my like top five episodes, which is, of course, hard to decide when practically. I mean, there really isn't a dud. Can you say that about 106 episodes of anything that there is a rarely a dud? Yeah, it's pretty rare when one falls completely flat on its face. There and are a I few mean, stinkers early on, but they really shape up. And you know what? How many things of longevity of 106 episodes or installments or issues can you say it got better as it went along? The Batman animated series starts out brilliant, and somehow it actually got better as it went along. There are some episodes in the end run that are among the greatest episodes of all. It started off great and somehow got better. Yeah, they they honestly learned how to tell tighter and tighter stories. I mean, I'm thinking of stories like Over the Edge, which comes from the latter part of the series. I, I gave you the title cards 
of the episodes that were my personal favorite. Yeah, you sent over Perchance to Dream, which is a beautiful title card, a fantastic episode. And uh, you talked about it in reference to The Twilight Zone. Absolutely. First of all, Perchance to Dream obviously comes from Shakespeare. But if you know your Twilight Zone and, you know, I'm another sort of expert in The Twilight Zone. I did a coffee table art book about the TV series uh, that treated it like surrealistic images on paper and treated the dialogue like poetry and stuff like that. I do lectures about the Twilight Zone. But there's a famous Twilight Zone episode, not written by Serling, written by uh, Charles Beaumont, who wrote some of the more kind of darker takes on the Twilight Zone. You know, Serling wrote more of the sentimental, moral tales. But Beaumont, you know, Matheson wrote more of the science fiction-y stories. But um, uh, Charles Beaumont wrote some of the darker tales and tales that dealt with the very nature of dreams and reality. So there was an episode, Perchance to Dream, which is all about a guy that feels his dreams are real. And at the very end, you know, I don't want to give it away, but, you know, the whole episode is on the very nature of what is reality. What are dreams? Are dreams a type of reality? Which is what the Twilight Zone itself was all about. So then flash forward to 1992 or 3, and this episode comes on called Perchance to Dream. And what is it about? But it's about, it's a Twilight Zone take on the whole Batman story. That what if Batman's parents weren't killed? What if Bruce Wayne didn't become Batman? And what would that reality be like? And that's essentially what that episode was about. Yeah, it's a wonderful what if with a fun yeah, twist and, at the and, end. And, yeah, with a great twist. And I mean, that again, the, the beautiful stories, the fact that the Mad Hatter says to him almost through tears, I gave you everything you wanted. I gave you a life where your parents weren't killed. I thought that's what you wanted. Like, how brilliant is that to make the villain feel like he was really benefiting Batman, mm -hmm. giving him his dream come true. Well, this is allegedly Kevin Conroy's favorite episode. Well, isn't that amazing? That's my favorite episode. That's, that's great to know. And, you know, I told you, I met Kevin uh, Conroy. Uh, he came to New York City a couple of years ago, like two or three years ago, um, to do an episode of this comic book club kind of live talk show and uh, downtown in New York. And I figured, when am I going to get to meet Kevin Conroy? So I met him, gave him a copy of my Silver Age book, and I showed him that, you know, I'm holding it up for you to see, but, you know, that piece that I got from the Warner Brothers art department, this incredible, I mean, Justin, I don't, you know, I know nobody can see this, but, you know, the insides, do you see these insides? It's fantastic. Yeah. So why don't you describe to the listeners what it is? Somehow in 1992, and maybe this had to do with my setting up the interview, maybe I got this when I was out at Warner Brothers interviewing Tim and Radomski. I don't really remember how I got it, but I must have made a connection with somebody in the Warner Brothers Batman art department, and I got a copy of this 12-inch square, multiple page, so it's like the size record album. It's a pop-up. It's got fold-outs. It's a promotional, it's like eight pages on heavy card stock, and it's a promotional vehicle for the Batman animated series, I guess, to give out to advertisers, maybe at conventions. But this is a highly slickly produced, expensive, 
you know, silver varnish and, I mean, deluxe printing promotional piece. And I can't imagine there are a lot of these floating around. No, I've and, never seen it before. One yeah. other question I have for you. Uh, you sent over an image of a pop-up card that you designed. Right. I received that card during the run. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. So the card itself is, you know, Batman on a birthday cake with Robin. Yeah, well, but let me tell you the background of that. I moved out of New York City to Westport, Connecticut, where I live presently in 1992. Again, the same year the Batman anime series developed. And I found out that this three-dimensional pop-up greeting card company called Pop Shots happened to be located in Westport. So what do I do, Enterprise, enterprising freelance artist that I am? I look at the Pop Shots card line. They had every genre represented except comics. And, you know, comics, if you think of, you know, uh, three-dimensional and pop-up things where they have different levels, comics work great for three dimensions because the, the panel border is like, a, is like a layer, the caption box, word balloons, everything can float above everything on layers. That's why comics translate to 3D so well and to pop-up things. Because the art itself is in layers, which is why Photoshop, for most comic artists, has been a godsend because everything in Photoshop is in layers. So if you're a comic artist, you're already used to that. I digress. Anyway, I make a pitch. I meet the guy that runs Pop Shots, and I pitch him that he should get the license from DC and Marvel to do Pop Shot cards. He liked the proposal. He said, Arlen, I'll get back to you. Well, a year passes. I don't hear from him. About a year later, I get a call from him, and he goes, Arlen, guess what? I got the license to do cards with DC and Marvel. And it turns out I could choose kind of what I wanted the cards to be and look like. And the Batman animated series obviously had just come out. And I said, listen, can I do the Batman? You know, they wanted a Batman card, a Superman card, Spider-Man, and, and X-Men. I think those were the first four cards I did. And, you know, the Spider-Man one, I got to look like Steve Ditko. And, you oh, know, my favorite. Uh, you know what I mean? So for the Superman one, I got to do like a combination Kurt Swan, Joe Schuster Superman. And for the Batman card, I said, listen, I think the Batman animated series look would translate perfectly to this three-dimensional pop-up thing because, you know what I mean, the shapes are already simplified and cartoony. And they said, okay. So I got to do my homage to not only the Batman anime series, but my wife at the time, who colored my work, was pregnant with our first child. I had to farm out the coloring on those Batman, on all the Pop Shot cards. I was able to get John Calmet. Do you know who John Calmet is? No. You don't know your credits of the Batman animated series? No, for the head? fill me in. He was one of the head colorists. That's incredible. Somehow I found out, again, this was 22 years ago, but I remember I must have asked around. I said, listen, uh, you know, I must have, maybe I contacted Bruce. I don't know how, but John Calmet turns out at the time was living in New Jersey. And I reached out to him and hired him to color the Superman and the Batman cards. I don't think he did the X-Men or Spider-Man, but he did do the Superman and Batman cards. So, I mean, how great is that, that the Batman card is colored by a guy that was the head colorist for the series? Well, that's incredible. And it's so cool that you got to work on a slice of the series yeah. in, a, in your own way, you know, like apply exactly. your talents to something that you love so much. 
even though because it was commercial art, I wasn't able to sign it in a sense, you know, that image is mine. So it's great to hear 22 years later that somebody like you, Justin, actually experienced the card when it came out. Oh, I didn't just experience it. I received it and it was up displayed in my room for years. I wish I had it still. Uh, but I, I proudly had it out on my shelf well, with my Justin, Batman a, action I, figures. Let me see if I have some extras in my files as a thank you for this podcast. Let me see if I can find one for you. Oh, that'd be the best. Thank you, Arlen. What so, are you working well, on these days? Well, I just finished this major exhibition for the Type Directors Club in New York uh, on Irish Snap, the guy that did every DC Silver Age logo you could think of. He also designed a couple of little-known logos like Action Comics and Superman. But he also did the Roman letters on top of New York's Penn Station post office, neither rain nor snow. And people don't know. He died in 1969. So I just did this major exhibition. Uh, go to the TDC.org um, and you'll be able to come to it and see it. If you're in the New York area, it's going on through September. Well, and, thank uh, you so much for sharing yeah, and- your reverence and love for the show. Like your enthusiasm is infectious. Well, let me infect you. Let me be a one-man zombie invasion or whatever. And, you know, ArlenSchumer.com. My whole life is up there. Great. Thank you so much, Arlen. Okay, man. Take care. Well, there you have it. Another Batman the Animated Podcast is finished. Well, it's about time for me to be hitting the old dusty podcast trail I'm going to go over to the Pete Holmes podcast and mine for sweet, sweet audio gold. All right. See you later, Prospector. That's Prospector to you. W- weren't you listening? And speaking of not listening, I got a story for you that has nothing to do with Batman. And here's how it goes. It was once upon a time in a town called Gotham City. There was a cat, and she was a woman. There was a man who told riddles, and there was a jokester. And they all fought a gentleman by the name of Bruce Wayne. But his friends called him the Batman. Well, come to think of it, that story is about Batman. (laughs) I've had too many beans. All right, see you later, Podspector. Bye-bye. I'm a Podspector. Thanks for listening, guys. If you like the show, please subscribe in iTunes and give us a good rating and review. It really does mean a lot. You can find more about the podcast at btaspodcast.com. And if you want to donate to the show, you can do so on the About page. This costs a bunch of money to make, and I do it all myself. So if you have a few bucks or anything at all to throw my way, I'd be mighty appreciative. Follow me on Twitter for updates at btaspodcast or at heyjustin. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, Casey Trela helped produce the theme song, and Harry Chaskin is the voice of the podcast. Thanks to my guests, Nick Mundy and Arlen Schumer, as well as Jacob Reed for playing the old pod specter. Lastly, thank you to This American Life producer, Tori Malatia, who took me to a very dirty doctor's office recently. I ended up thinking it was the city dump, and Tori explained, You don't get it, son. This isn't a trash heap. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Boy, did I feel stupid. I should have known when I saw those doctors and nurses and surgical equipment. Thanks, Tori. Well, I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks for another Batman the Animated Podcast. Same Bat Tuesday, same Bat RSS feed. 